What's up and welcome back to the Secret Sauce Podcast. Today's episode has got me all in my feels as I welcome my lifelong best friend, my brother, professional basketball player, Jordan Swing to the show. Many of you have heard me talk about my love for the game of basketball through stories that I've told or illustrations that I've shared. Today, you'll get a glimpse behind the curtain of where all that comes from. Jordan has been a professional athlete for over a decade, playing everywhere from the NBA G League to Australia, Israel, Spain, Ukraine, Germany, name a country, and there's a high chance he's played in it. If you aren't a sports fan, I just saw you eye roll in your cars. You're hearing me talk about basketball. Before you click to that next episode, you need to hear this conversation out because it is crazy the amount of overlap and applicable takeaways that exist between leading basketball teams in various parts of the world and leading teams in every other area of our lives. Jordan's going to talk about the value of loving the work, how connected teams win more, why faith is so important for overcoming uncertainty, and maybe most importantly, if you've seen success, you have a responsibility to show others the way. Let's jump into the conversation. Well, really cool moment for me today is I get to be on a podcast with my brother, Jordan Swing. If you would have told me when we were getting in a fight over playing NBA Live 2003 on PlayStation 2 or getting in a fight on playing in front one of the driveway, that we were going to be on a podcast together one day, I probably would have been like, what's a podcast? Because I don't think they existed back then. But, but then I would have been like, no way what she told me what they were. So super excited for today. Jordan Swing, welcome to the Secret Sauce Podcast. It's an honor, man. Never thought I'd see the day, but here we are. Here we are. This is not a traditional episode of the podcast. Obviously, Jordan, our brother, does not work for Chick-fil-A. But Jordan, take a moment here before we get started and let's talk about your love for Chick-fil-A. Yeah, some would say obsession. Take you back to like the third grade. Teacher had a little like worksheet for us. And I think one of the ones was like, where do you see yourself in the future? And I'm pretty sure somewhere on that sheet it said that one day I would have a Chick-fil-A in my house. Haven't quite got to that level yet, but it's still, you know, it's still a work in progress. That's awesome. I think there's a commercial right now with- Where they sit on the couch? Like Devontae Adams. No, 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 not the yeah. couch moment, or not the, uh, the little moment, Chick-fil-A commercial. It's like a Taco Bell commercial. And it's, I think it's Devontae Adams has like a Taco Bell put in his house. Yeah, that's the dream. How does your love for Chick-fil-A play out? Because we'll get into this in a second, but most of the time you're not in the States. You're not here. It's tough that they haven't gone international yet. I mean, they got a little bit out when I was in Puerto Rico. It was it was like the worst thing ever because there was one being built in the city I was playing, but it was in the process of being built. So I had to drive by an almost finished Chick-fil-A like every day and I just couldn't have it. But I was so close to those nuggets, I could taste them. And so, the, yeah, the fact they haven't gone to Europe yet, it's it's tough. But, you know, if, if they ever want to make the jump across the waters, I know some good spots. On that note, you played professional basketball for a really long time now. And I'd say you've gotten pretty savvy with some contract negotiating as you're going to play for a team overseas. Let's just say that you're, you're negotiating into your contract a season-long supply of any type of Chick-fil-A sauce. What are you negotiating into that contract so that you get it for the entire season? You got to go Chick-fil-A sauce. I guess if I had to pick one, I'm going Chick-fil-A sauce. But the combination of Chick-fil-A sauce and Zesty Buffalo 
will blow your mind. Chick-fil-A sauce and zesty. You got to go Chick-fil-A sauce first, then zesty. Because if you go the other way around, the Chick-fil-A sauce kind of slides off the zesty. So it doesn't really stick. Gotcha. There's, there's a method to the madness. The Chick-fil-A sauce provides the necessary trashiness to, if you will, maintain the buffalo sauce there you go. flavor on it. Amen. <laughs> well, if you haven't tried it yet, go try it. I'll be trying it. So you like a little sweet and tangy. You, you may have made a new sauce. We may have some kind of like buffalo Chick-fil-A sauce. I want the patent on that. Okay. The next question I want to talk about in, is getting more into your secret sauce for leadership. Jordan, you've played in Australia, Belgium, Spain, Ukraine, Germany, Israel, most recently in the U.S. In a lot of different places, a lot of different environments with a lot of different teams. But what would you say is your secret sauce when it comes down to how you have led those teams on and off the court? On the court, I really believe in in leaders stepping up and leading by example. I think it sets up an easy bridge for you when when you're doing the work first and then you're pushing guys to also come along with you as opposed to you're just telling people where to go, what to do, but you're they don't see you doing it as well. And I've been on the flip side of that when I was a younger player starting out pro and I had older vets that were lead more of a leader. It was much easier to follow those ones and listen to those ones that I saw on a day-to-day basis putting in the work that they were telling me to do. It's just a lot easier to respect and, and to listen when you can look up and see that, okay, well, he's doing it too, so he, he's got a point if he's telling me to do something. And then off the court stuff, I feel like building relationships is huge, especially when the turnaround and the and the turnover in European basketball is, is really big. Like, year to year you're seeing i would say 85 percent new teams almost every year you know some teams are are lucky enough to to build a culture to where they can sign guys for multi multi-year deals but for the majority over there it's it's one-year contracts you come in in august you got about a month and a half training camp and then it's just full-on season so for me it's it's huge to build those relationships, even though you might only be with these guys for nine to 10 months, the relationships you build sometimes can last, you know, the rest of your life. I had a a guy I met in Australia that we built such a strong bond that he ended up being in my wedding. And when you're on the court and you're, you, you've got to rely on your teammates and and when you know them on a personal level, it helps to trust them, you know, on the, on the floor, on the work level. So. I think building relationships and leading by example, like those are two things that have really helped me. And I've noticed that the more I was able to build relationships on certain teams, whether I don't know if it's correlation or what, but those teams tend to do better. Like when you have a team that that really bonds, they really get together, they mesh well off the court. It just translates. It's like, it's, it's rare that you have, you know, a team that, that doesn't really know each other off the court. And then they just go get on the court when they're, when it's time to go and, and everything runs smooth because everything's not always going to run smooth. And so when you do have those hiccups, that's when it helps to, you know, you actually know this guy next to you that, that you're working with that you can count on. So yeah, those are two of my big, big, big things. That's good. Definitely no coincidence that the teams that you played on that had the strongest relationships were the most successful. All the, the statistics would tell us that on teams that take the time to invest in each other, get to know each other, there's higher levels of trust. And we know how for trust correlates with 
with success, really two big things that I'm hearing you share there. The first thing was aligned with like work ethic and from a leadership perspective, talking about right, walking the talk, not just talking the talk and not just walking the walk. I think walking the walk's important, uh, but it's also talking and walking. Right? Sure. John Maxwell has a phrase that goes something like a leader is somebody who knows the way, goes the way and shows the way. And I think if any of those elements are missing, that a little bit of a discipline. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be harder yeah. to feel motivated to follow that person. And it's not always some stuff that just comes natural. Like for me, walking the walk was so easy. It just came natural, but talking the talk was not as natural to me. And that's something that over the years I had to like really push myself to get out of a shell and be more vocal and, and, and talk. Cause you know, sometimes just lead like leading by example is not enough you need to you know be in guys ears and talk to them yeah for sure and it's cool because of the relationship we have i've seen like that work ethic cover the years i wish we had a time tracker on the amount of time like we used to in the gym just work it all the time and just lived in it and a big byproduct of the influence the hard dad had on us who for sure who had a, a basketball career of his own and played professionally. But I remember all, like hearing a John Wooden quote every other two or three times a week. Yeah, for sure. It's, don't mistake activity for achievement. Yeah, the, the list goes on. Yeah. But I think this, it's big. He did instill those in us, but then I felt like a lot of the reason of where I am today is because of our relationship as well as, and this goes a little bit into leading and, and having that accountability on those days that I didn't really want to work, but you were wanted to go get shots of, I wasn't just going to sit there and let you shoot more than me and vice versa. When I wanted to go out and shoot, you weren't just going to sit inside and chill while I was out there working. So like that back and forth of like, I'm not going to let my brother outwork me, I think made us both, you know, really advance in our game. And then of course it's, it's led into other avenues now, whereas you're, you're more in the business world and so I, yeah, I think it's just, it's huge being able to have that back and forth. I would agree on hundred thousand percent. It's definitely like an iron sharpening iron concept it is. where, yeah, there was some epic battles in the drama, but we just constantly had each other to push each other, which is a testament to, I mean, that's so relatable to any situation that you're in. Like if you want to be successful, you got to have people around you. They're going to push you because yeah. if it's just up to you, there's there's going to be days where distractions and all that. And yeah, it's the same thing in the workspace. Like you're working with somebody, you see, you see them doing the little things. You're not just going to, I guess, write it off and just let, I feel like if you have any type of like, I want to advance, I have some goals that I want to achieve. If you see somebody else doing it, like you're going to do it as well. You're not just going to let them do the extra hard work. You're going to help out as well. So when you see, when you have those relationships, like we said, in the workspace, it, it works the same way as you see somebody else working a little bit harder. Well, you know, I need to do a little bit more and vice versa. I want to shift over to and talk a little bit about the relationships side of thing where you mentioned, what are some practical ways that you went after relationships with other guys on the team? I'd love to hear some elements of that, whether it was like off court stuff or other yeah. stuff, what are that, what do those interactions look like? Your relationships with the other imports just comes natural because most of the times, you know, you're on teams, it's got seven, eight 
maybe nine local players that are from that country. And then you'll have three, four imports that are most likely from the States. So those relationships just kind of come natural with the other imports because, you know, you speak the same language, you're from the same areas, your cultures are the same, pretty much. Those just come natural. The ones you have to really work on is getting to know the locals. They speak a different language. They, they just have a different way of life. But if you're intentional with it, you can have some really cool experiences like for instance, I, when I played in Israel, I had a teammate and it was Gersh, one of my favorite teammates, but I got to know him really well off the court. Ended up getting invited to some, like a Passover meal, some traditions that they had. And I got to experience their culture and the Jewish culture and, and tr the traditions from the Bible that they still keep. And it was just a really cool experience for me to be able to, you know, meet somebody from there, grew up there families from there and just see, you know, how they operate and what kind of cultural norms that they have that are different from ours. And then also the ones that are the same, but just being intentional like that, like talking to them outside of the court, you know, ask them to go get dinner here and there, whatever it might be. While it's a little harder, conversation is a little harder. It's worth it, in my opinion, to push those boundaries and get yourself out of the comfort zone and be around different types of cultures and people. And it's, it's helped me grow as a person as well. It definitely creates like an extreme environment being in a different country. And you can speak to this, but I think the trap you probably have to be very careful of is just like clicking up with the exactly. imports. And it, I, I imagine it almost creates a divide on the team of it's like an us person. A little bit. Yeah. If you, if you, if you have that too much of like Americans versus the imports type of thing, and I've seen it happen and it can bleed over into the court, you know, where you're playing against your teammates and also the other team. So it's, it's important. Like I said, those relationships all to court to build and allow yourself to be more of a leader. Valuing differences is something that I was thinking about as I was listening to you speak. Even if you are in America, which most of the listeners of this podcast, you're, you're in America, you're around other Americans that actually have some, some more stuff in common with them than you may have in somebody in a completely different country. But I, I know that there's also differences. We just, we tend to gravitate towards those that are most. What we know. Yeah. yeah. Like us. And I think if we're not careful as leaders, we can completely count out the value that could come from other people on our team, just because we don't have an eye for some of those differences and the unique value that they add. Like you said, because I was willing to get a little outside my comfort zone and mingle with some of the Israeli national players that were on the team, I mean, I found this common ground that in my faith, my belief in the Bible, what scripture says, like there were a lot of similar traditions in their Jewish, Jewish culture that I got to experience just because I would have never gotten to do that. If Yeah. I mean, there was, there's a lot of things from like the new, I mean, the old Testament that, you know, because we have a savior and, and he's came, then we don't have to do still, but they still keep those traditions because of the Jewish faith, they're still waiting on a Messiah. So to be able to, you know, go to Passover dinners and see, uh, you know, like a day of atonement where nobody uses electricity, people who are practicing the religion, nobody uses electricity for the whole 24 hours. And it was just really like driving nothing. So like no cars on the road. It's weird of how much more silent it is when there's not a single car driving and like families playing in the streets and, and the community and culture aspect aspect of it is really cool to, to see and be a part of. And there's a lot of lessons that we can take from that and implement in our lives. You know, somebody is, is riding in their car right now, listening to this, and they just like broke out in hives thinking about how, not having technology. You can touch your phone, <laughs> you can't turn off the TV. 
all the way to like can't turn on air conditioning, stuff like that too. So it's, they're really putting themselves out of their covers for, t- for 24 hours and it's really cool. And yeah. the feast at the end of that is amazing as well. And uh, Daniel Andrews, a, a guest that we had on here a couple episodes ago, talked about the value he's, he's received from Sabbath being with his family, honoring some of those Jewish traditions. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Like every Friday night, sundown, like towns shut down and from, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, it's really about family time. Like you come in, your family has a meal together Friday night, you hang out, play games after, cause there's in the, in the Jewish faith, there's no, you're not supposed to turn on, you know, electricity or, or games or be on your phone and stuff. So it was just really cool to see. Do you have any funny stories of like miscommunication with cultural differences or like which barrier uh imagining some stuff i've got quite a few i guess one that comes to mind was when i was in spain and this was actually my first year in europe so i had played i went i graduated from college went to the g league went from there to australia where they still speak english so it was easy transition but then i went from there to spain for my first european season the city I lived in is called Zaragoza and it was, you know, it wasn't a huge city. So public transport was pretty good. So I hopped on, I, I was going to try and navigate the bus system one day. And so I'm trying to get downtown. There's this like big cathedral downtown that I wanted to go check out. And so I hop on the bus. I'm already kind of like in a whirlwind of like, am I on the right bus? I got to make sure I'm going to the right stop. I got to make sure I got to get off on the right stop. I cannot get lost. I hop on the bus and I just like pick a seat. I just sit down, not really thinking about it. And I'm like a couple stops in, I'm like looking on my phone, trying to make sure I don't get off on the wrong one. And this like elderly, probably in her eighties, maybe nineties lady gets on the bus and she like turns and, and is looking at me and like saying something in Spanish, kind of in a stern tone, but I just, I was so in my own world. I was just like, hola, hola, like, how are you? And the few words I know in Spanish, and then she like utters something else. And I thought she just answered my question, but kind of, she kind of like scoffs at me a little bit. And I'm like, what, like, what is it? What did I do wrong? I'm just sitting here and I get up and as I'm leaving to get off, I turn and I see I'm in a handicapped spot and she had like a cane. So I guess she, so I was just sitting in a handicapped spot and this old elderly lady with a cane came in and didn't have a place to sit. And I was so in my own world trying to figure out where I'm going. I just like, it just completely went over my head. But she was probably cussing me out and spanning <laughs> to get out of her seat. But I was just, just sitting there. That's really funny. She's like, man, this 20 something yeah. old, like super athlete. Yeah, six, six, big guy just sitting. I'm like, oh man, that was embarrassing. But lucky enough, I've you know, never seen any of those people again. And that's what I try to tell myself when I'm traveling or like trying to figure stuff out in Europe, like, I'm probably never going to see these people again. It's like if I'm, if I'm embarrassed myself, who cares? Yeah. The level of humility that is just unavoidable. Oh man. Being environments like that is probably really healthy for us. It is. Yeah. It, it definitely humbles you a lot. It definitely humbles you a lot. It's funny when you like have guests too, and you see them try to navigate in that world. Like mom and dad came and visited and when I was in Belgium and in Spain, they are trying to talk to somebody and the person doesn't know English. So like, it's funny. They'll just like start getting louder. Like they're going to understand it because they're talking louder. I'm like, mom, they don't know English. You like, it's just not going to work. We're going to have to find somebody else. <laughs> but just the stuff that you get used to, like how to navigate 
seeing somebody else get thrown into that, it's just, it's funny to see. And it's, it's just a good time. Yeah. I know that growth happens when we're outside of our comfort zone too. For sure. And so if you as a listener, if you went anywhere with Jordan right now in the world and just like dropped you somewhere on the map, you'd be really impressed by his ability to like navigate. Yeah. We we could get some places and have, have some fun for sure. Sure. Oh, but it, it's been cool to see that. And the couple of times that I visited you, like your ability to navigate a city where nobody speaks English is just mind-blowing. <laughs> Absolutely mind-blowing. So get out of your comfort zone, leaders. Put yourself in some situations where you're going to fail and look foolish yeah. and it'll be really good for you in your growth journey. You talked a little bit earlier about the fact that there was that Chick-fil-A being built in Puerto Rico while you were there, but you couldn't quite get to it. It was like, we could see it, but you couldn't get to it. If I, I know Dan, Kathy listens to the podcast, shout out Dan. But if, if Andrew, Kathy, who is now the CEO of Wild Spark, if he listened to this episode and he was like, Hey, Jordan, you've been a lot of places. Where is the next Chick-fil-A going? Where does it need to go? Where you drop at that Chick-fil-A restaurant? Easy transition, I think would be pair in Paris in France will be an easy transition. There's already like, there was a five guys that I came across at Chipotle. So they've, they're kind of already acclimated a little bit to the American style fast food. So I think that would be an easy transition. Definitely getting one somewhere like maybe Munich and Germany, definitely like Milan, Italy would be another easy one. And then, I mean, Tel Aviv, Israel, I feel like it would probably do well. Yeah. Oh, maybe, I don't know about the, whole Christian background of Chick-fil-A. I don't know if it would do too well. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. There's a, there's definitely some cultural barriers to some of those places. I remember I went to, I went to KFC in Barcelona and it was just like packed, like oh, yeah. line out the door, two level restaurant. I'm like here, you never see anybody in there. Yeah. And I'm like, if Chick-fil-A would just crush, I like the, you put it right. They would do numbers. Yeah. They would do numbers. Oh, I mean, you just mentioned Tel Aviv. I think an interesting part of your story is you having to navigate uncertain, like uncertainty in your life. And you had the whole experience where you were, you were in Kyiv, which is the capital of Ukraine. Yeah. I think five days before Russia invaded the country or maybe a little bit more. And then even recently you or entertaining offers from Israel and you know, yeah. like even a little bit frustrated and like, why isn't this coming through? And then like the whole war that's yeah. just broke out. Talk with me about that. Like how have you navigated some of that uncertainty in your career? Like how have you overcome some of that stuff as you, yeah. a lot of it is, is relying on my faith in those situations because when I was there in Israel four years ago, a few bombs that were sent from Gaza. Israel would intercept them with the Iron Dome and it was like nothing. Like the people went about their days, like it was a thunderstorm or something. And I, and like me and the other Americans are like, what, like what is going on? But it's just another day to them. So when you're in these places, like culturally it's just different. So when I was in Ukraine, like to them, everything was still fine. Like they've been dealing with conflict their whole lives. That threat of Russia invading has been there, you know, since some of them were born. And so to them, it's kind of just another day, but to us, you know, it's a, it's a lot different. And I just kind of saw things escalating and, you know, you hear stuff in the news, but the team there, like I said, they've been dealing with, with it with their whole lives. So they're telling us, you know, everything's going to be fine. They're not really going to do anything. You need to stay, you need to play. We're paying you to be here. And so you have that conflict of 
honoring your contract, providing for your family with a, with a payment. And do I, do I leave? And you know, you, then you're talking about life and death when you're talking about war. So it's, it gets a little more serious and you know, they can, they were talking about holding our con holding our rights. And if they do that, you can't play anywhere in Europe for two years. And this is my source of income. So I'm like, what am I going to do if I just leave? So just a lot of prayer and just kind of being cognizant of, of things around you and what's going on in the news and then just making a decision. And I just felt God was kind of telling me to, to leave. And so I got, there was five other Americans. I got to create a little meeting between us and we talked through it and, and ended up coming to the conclusion that it was best for us to leave. And I think because we were a united front, it helped us with the contract stuff and, and them holding our rights. So eventually just felt like it was best to leave. So I leave and then a week and a half later, airstrikes started happening in Kiev, the city that we were in. And it was just a blessing that, you know, I kind of had that calling of like, you need to get out. Interesting times, but definitely relying on your faith in, in situations like that is, is the biggest key because there is so much unknown. Yeah. Like unforeseeable future circumstances that we can't, we're not fortune tellers and we can't see that stuff. And I think number one, you're hundred percent correct. Like the faith is such a big part of that and listening to God's voice. Like you just mentioned like the stirring of the soul, like, okay, I need to get the team together. We need to have a conversation and, and think about getting out of here. But then also like the theme that we've talked about on the podcast today of iron sharpening iron, whether it's through our relationship or the way that you invest in relationships with teammates, like having other people with you along the way, yeah. united front. Yeah. Hey, we're all going to go do this. We're going to band together. Because that, that decision is not as easy when you're a one man front. Yeah. But when you have, you know, five other guys that you're making this decision together and, and you trust these guys because like I said, you've built those relationships, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Well... I know the true mark of a leader is how you propel other people forward. Every great leader produces other great leaders. And a big part of your passion right now is you're later in your career. We're getting old, man. We're just ours. The knees are tough. Don't recover as quick after games. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time with young athletes now, high schoolers, maybe even some middle schoolers. Talk to me about your passion for investing in the next generation. Where does that come from? What is some of the wisdom that you're trying to impart on the younger generation? Yeah, I think just with how dad instilled with us basketball and, and how it's been such an instrumental part in our lives for so many years, it's just a huge passion. Like it just, it's something that I love to do. It's taken me to places that I would have never been if it wasn't for basketball. And it's just been something in my life that's been a huge positive. So if I can take that and share it with other people, share it with the younger generation, not only teach them about the game and how to become more efficient, but also, you know, teaching them how to become a man and, and to become a leader. And you look at statistics, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of them won't play college professional, but, you know, I want them to show them that there is that opportunity and you know, me and you were told a lot that we would never play college, never play pro. Having, I guess, some something that's tangible in front of you that they can see like, okay, this guy's done it. So like, what's stopping me from, from doing it or at least putting in the effort to do it. And so I just want to show them, you know, what it takes to get to those levels and just about hard work and, and become a little obsessed with your craft and, and, and the grind of the every days getting in the gym and putting in work. And that's going to bleed over when you, create those habits and that discipline for your sport, 
it's going to bleed over into whatever you pursue next because you have that, you know what it takes to get better and, and to get to the level that you want. So when you start, you know, whatever career you start, you've already got those disciplines from your sport that you can just transfer over it and, and continue those in whatever you do in life. That's good. Tons of carryover. It's like the reason why I know that whenever Jordan Swings decides to retire from basketball with whatever you do next, whether it's coaching or training or business, like there's just no doubt they're going to be successful because of the disciplines, because of everything we've talked about today. Right. Yeah. And I think the younger generation needs to hear that more than ever. Like there's this comparison culture and like, oh, oh, worry about like what other people think about me. And yeah. It could be scary to put yourself out there and be like, I want to go play college basketball or I want to go play professional basketball because like, what are other kids going to think? Are they going to make fun yeah. of me? They can tell me I can't do it. But to have somebody like you, a voice of reason says, hey, I was in your shoes before. And there's plenty of people who told me that it was a stupid dream, but I proved them wrong. And you can too. It's really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. No, no disrespect to Coach Hatchet, but he, I've heard him say multiple times, you got a better chance of be strutting my light than the need you have to play play a professional basketball. So I'm glad I didn't take that one to heart because uh definitely proved it wrong with that one. But well, lightning rail, I'm gonna hit you with a couple of like rapid fire questions. Think like one, two, three word responses as we're rattling these things off. You've lived a lot of places. If there was anywhere else that you would go live outside of America, where would you choose to go live? Perth, Australia. Perth, Australia. 100%. All right. You played on a lot of different teams in front of a lot of different crowds. What country, what city has the best, best basketball environment outside of America? Spain. Any particular city or team that sticks out? I mean, Barcelona's got great crowds. Malaga, Bilbao had a really good one. Thought we were going to get jumped there leaving, but that's a, that's a story for another time. It's a good indication of how much people care if you are worried about getting chilled. <laughs> oh, playing on Don's hard, die hard over there. Favorite pair of basketball shoes you've ever owned? Ooh, man. I maybe think the first 2K4 Hiroshis. Hiroshi 2K4s. Yep. But my basketball people out there will know exactly the shoe that he's talking about. What's your like holy grail sneaker, not basketball shoe? Dunks. SB Dunk was, I'm in love with those. I love the silhouette of it. Got a bunch of different colorways. Okay. Favorite pregame song of all time? Hard Body, Lil Wayne. The clean version. Of course. Of course. Clean versions. Only best food that you've had. I would say Israel. Israel's got great food. It's similar to the U.S. because the Jews have been dispersed for so many years and then they've all started to move back. So they bring those cultural cooking from from a lot of different places so you get kind of this melting pot of of foods there plus the mediterranean type of food is it's really good hummus you know mediterranean salads stuff like that it's, it's good if you could play with any basketball player alive or dead ever who would you play with pistol pete easy pete bear i probably wouldn't give me any shots but it'd be fun play <laughs> all right last question when you touch down back in the u.s after being away for a while and you see the Chick-fil-A in the airport as soon as you get here, what's your go-to order? Number one combo with an eight-count nugget on the side. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like for keep it simple, not too much going on. And then I got to get my Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer with Chick-fil-A sauce and Buffalo. And Buffalo. 
Jordan, thanks for coming on the show today, man. I want to give you an opportunity. One last piece of parting wisdom is people are listening to the podcast and they're walking away from it. They don't remember anything else from what you said. What's like the one thing that you hope somebody hears is uh, as they listen to that? Be intentional in a lot of different ways. You can be intentional and it can cover a lot of mistakes and build relationships, lead by example, be willing to put in the work before you're telling people to put in the work. Yeah, just spread love. Love it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. As Jordan was sharing some wisdom there at the end of the conversation, it brought a verse to mind from Galatians that says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So whether that's loving the people a couple steps behind you, loving your teammates, especially the ones that are different, and even loving the work personally, love is not a feeling, it's a decision that all of us can make each and every day. Let's all go and make the decision to love today. Don't forget to follow the podcast. If you haven't done that already, please go hit the follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. If you wanna connect with Jordan, I'll have his Instagram handle and his LinkedIn handle in the episode description. Go give him a follow. I know he would enjoy that. Stay saucy, everybody.